my beautiful audience, and welcome back to another installment of Pass the Time Podcast. Because you know there's no better way to pass the time than with Pass the Time Podcast. I'm AJ Wozniczenski, and we're going to have a pretty long show today because I'm reading a very long creepypasta. So let's listen to a quick word from our sponsor and get right into it. Hey, Greg, what's up? Bro, drop everything and get over here right now. It's an emergency. Wait, what? Greg. Greg! I'm coming for you, Greg. Greg, I'm here. What's the emergency? Oh, yeah. I just picked up some N64 games and needed someone to play with. Nice. But wait, where'd you buy N64 games? I went to Video King. They have games for, like, every old gaming system. No way! No way! And they totally have movies, too. I picked up these for two bucks a piece. No way! Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Excellent! If you miss the days of the local video store, then come down to Video King at 309 Day Street. We have Blu-rays, DVDs, and even VHSs for old-timers like me. So come on down to Video King at 309 Day Street, where everything is on sale. Now, as you can probably tell, that was not a real sponsor. That's just a commercial me and one of my buddies made uh, a few months ago, just for fun. And, yeah, just thought I'd show you guys. Hope you guys liked it. Now, before I get into the horror fix, I thought I'd just let you guys know what you're in store for for the Creepypasta today. I'm going to be reading the Creepypasta Ben Drowned, and that was requested by Zeus Castillo, so thank you for the request, Zeus. I always love getting requests for any video game-related Creepypastas, and I've actually never read this one, so I'm really excited to read it. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things. It's made its way around the internet a lot, so... It must be good. I mean, if everyone's making all these crazy fake Twitter accounts and I've seen a lot of fan art for the Ben Drowned creepypasta, so it's got to be good unless it's actually crap and we're all just getting screwed over. It's all just a big elaborate hoax. I don't know, but I guess we're about to find out after our horror fix. Horror fix. So on this installment of Horror Fix, I have a movie, I have a television show, and a video game I wanted to talk to you guys about. So we're going to start off with the movie. This movie I'm not too excited about, but I just have to bring it up because the franchise is pretty popular, uh, even though the last movie was probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. And this is the Human Centipede franchise, the third movie. So in the Human Centipede 3, um, it's starring... Eric Roberts as the governor, and Dieter Laser as the prison warden. Not really a big fan of either of these actors, but the plot of this movie, um, kind of Dieter Laser, what a stupid name, but he is uh, the warden of this prison, and I guess he's scared he's going to lose his job, and he needs to come up with a new way to punish prisoners to deter crime and save the state money. And his bright idea, because of the Human Centipede movies, is that he's going to make a 500-person Human Centipede out of the prisoners. And that's how they're going to deter people from a life of crime. I know for sure for me, I would never turn to a life of crime. Uh, I wouldn't either way, but if I was going to prison and I was guaranteed to be part of a 500-man Human Centipede, I would never risk doing anything illegal in my entire life. So I guess it would work. But I don't think anyone would ever let that happen. So, kind of stupid plot, but I don't care. The whole franchise is a fucking retarded plot. 
But this movie, of course, it's a third installment, and it's of a shitty franchise, so it's only coming out on video on demand. So it is out right now if you wanted to rent it on video on demand. So I'm assuming iTunes and whatever other streaming places you can find it. I don't know, Show Me, Crave TV. I don't, I don't know any other ones. Uh, Netflix, I don't, I, I'm not sure if they're going to have it, but if it tickles your fancy, then go rent it. I'm not going to, but maybe you like it. I don't know. I don't know what you like. But on to the television show I wanted to talk about. Um, I've talked about it before on the podcast, and of course it is Scream Queens from the creator of American Horror Story, Ryan Murphy. Now this show, I've talked about it before, so I'm not really going to go into detail, but there's been an update with a trailer. So if you haven't seen the trailer, make sure you check out the the Pass the Time Facebook page or the Twitter page. Put a link to it up on both of those. But, I mean, this show is just filled with stars. I mean, Emma Roberts from American Horror Story, Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween, Leah Michelle from Glee, of course. I'm kind of excited to see what she does in this show. Abigail Breslin from Zombieland, uh, Skylar Samuels from Stepfather, and, of course, Nick Jonas, whose music is scary enough to kill. But, Nick, I'm not going to hold that against you because you're obviously making good decisions now by joining the cast of Scream Queens, and hopefully you do well. I mean, there's a little bit of a pattern here now with uh, these music stars in these kind of anthology shows, like American Horror Story just added Lady Gaga. So maybe Nick Jonas is the Lady Gaga of Scream Queens. Um, That all sounded very feminine. But you know what? Nick Jonas was in the Jonas Brothers. Very feminine band. But enough about this, enough about Scream Queens, just go check out the trailer. The very last thing I wanted to talk about on this installment of Horror Fix is actually a pretty obscure horror game I just kind of discovered on the Xbox Marketplace. It was just released. It is called One Night You're Crazy. It's an indie game in the Xbox store for Xbox 360. It's only a dollar, so that's not too bad. It's a point-and-click game where you play as a human. I think you might be able to play as a wolf, too, online. But you uh, go around this house, and you're trying to find all these pieces of this bloody teddy bear. But there's a wolf that's constantly chasing you, so you have to get away from it. The only way you can get away from it is by hiding in a closet in a bedroom upstairs, anywhere else, and you're not safe. But from watching this walkthrough video, it seemed pretty easy, so it probably isn't the funnest to play by yourself. Maybe multiplayer would be funner, but I'm not sure how many people bought this game. It's The graphics aren't the best. I mean, it looks like a real house, so you're playing as a real person with just kind of pictures of the house as you walk around. And I don't know, it's, it looks all right. Maybe It's probably worth a dollar. Might as well go check it out if you're a fan of horror, fan of video games. It's a little indie game, so just throwing some support to the indie games out there. But that does it for this installment of Horror Fix. Let's get right into our creepypasta. This is Ben Drowned. Post 1, September 7th, 2010. Okay, I need your help with this. This is not a creepypasta. This is, however, a very long read but I feel like my safety or well-being could very well depend on this. This is video game related, specifically Majora's Mask, and this is the creepiest shit that has ever happened to me in my entire life. Having said that, I recently moved into my dorm room starting as a sophomore in college, and a friend of mine gave me his old N64 to play. I was stoked to say the least. I could finally play all of those old games of my youth that I hadn't touched in at least a decade. His Nintendo 64 came with one yellow controller and a rather shoddy copy of Super Smash Bros. And while beggars can't be choosers, 
Needless to say, it didn't take long until I became bored of beating up level 9 CPUs. That weekend, I decided to drive around a few neighborhoods about 20 minutes or so off campus, hitting up local garage sales, hoping to score on some good deals from ignorant parents. I ended up picking up a copy of Pokemon Stadium, Goldeneye, Fuck Yeah, F-Zero, and two other controllers for $2. Satisfied, I began to drive out of the neighborhood when one last house caught my attention. I still have no idea why it did. There were no cars there, and only one table was set up with random junk on it. But something sort of drew me there. I usually trust my gut on these things, so I got out of the car and I was greeted by an old man. His outward appearance was, for a lack of a better word, displeasing. It was odd. If you asked me to tell you why I thought he was displeasing, I couldn't really pinpoint anything. There was just something about him that put me on edge. I can't explain it. All I can tell you is that if it wasn't in the middle of the afternoon and there were other people around shouting in the distance, I would not have even thought about approaching this man. He flashed a crooked smile at me and asked what I was looking for, and immediately I noticed that he must be blind in one of his eyes. His right eye had that glazed-over look about it. I forced myself to look at his left eye instead, trying not to offend, and asked him if he had any old video games. I was already wondering how I could politely excuse myself from the situation when he would tell me he had no idea what a video game was, but to my surprise, he said he had a few ones in an old box. He assured me he'd be back in a jiffy and turned to head back into the garage. As I watched him hobble away, I couldn't help but notice what he was selling on his table. Littered across his table were rather peculiar paintings various artworks that looked like ink blots that a psychiatrist might show you. Curious, I looked through them. It was obvious why no one was visiting this guy's garage sale. These weren't exactly aesthetically pleasing. Then I came to the last one. For some reason it looked almost like Majora's mask, the same heart-shaped body with little spikes protruding outwards. Initially, I just thought that since I was secretly hoping to find that game at these garage sales, some fruity and bullshit was projecting itself into the ink blots. But given the events that happened afterward, I'm not so sure now. I should have asked the man about it. Oh, how I wish I would have asked the man about it. After staring at the Majora-shaped blot, I looked up and the old man was suddenly there again, arm's length in front of me, smiling at me. I'll admit I jumped out of reflex and laughed nervously as he handed me a Nintendo 64 cartridge. It was the standard grey colour, except that someone had written Majora on it in black permanent marker. I got butterflies in my stomach as I realised what a coincidence this was and asked him how much he wanted for it. The old man smiled at me and told me that I could have it for free, that it used to belong to a kid who was about my age that didn't live here anymore. There was something weird about how the man phrased that but I didn't really pay attention to it then. I was so caught up in not only finding this game, but getting it for free. I reminded myself to be a bit skeptical, since this looked like a pretty shady cartridge and there's no guarantee it would work, but then the optimist inside me interjected that maybe it was some kind of beta version or pirated version of the game, and that was all I needed to be back on Cloud9. I thanked the man, and the man smiled at me and wished me well, saying, goodbye then, at least that's what it sounded like to me. All the way in the car ride home, I had a nagging doubt that the man had said something else. My fears were confirmed when I booted up the game. To my surprise, it worked just fine, and there was one save file named simply Ben. 
Goodbye, Ben, he was obviously saying. Goodbye, Ben. I felt bad for the man, obviously a grandparent and obviously going senile. And I, for some reason or another, reminded him of his grandson, Ben. Out of curiosity, I looked at the save file, eyeballing it. I could tell it was pretty far in the game. He'd almost had all the masks and three out of four remains of the bosses. I noticed that he had used the owl statue to save his game. He was on day three and by the stone tower temple, with hardly an hour left before the moon would crash. I remember thinking it was a shame that he had come so close to beating the game, but he never finished it. I made a new file named Link out of tradition and started the game, ready to relive my childhood. For such a shady looking game cartridge, I was impressed at how smoothly it ran. Literally just like a retail copy of the game, save for a few minor hiccups here and there, like textures being where they shouldn't be and random flashes of cutscenes at odd intervals, but nothing too bad. However, the only thing that was a little unnerving was that at times the NPCs would call me Link and at other times they would call me Ben. I figured it was just a bug, a fluke in the programming causing our files to get mixed up or something. It did kind of creep me out though after a while, and it was around after I had beaten the Woodfall Temple that I regrettably went into the save files and deleted Ben. I had intended to preserve the file just out of respect to the game's original owner. It's not like I needed two files anyway, and I'd hoped that would solve the problem. It did, and it didn't. Now NPCs wouldn't call me anything. Where my name should be in the dialogue, there was just a blank space. My save file name was still called Link though. Frustrated, and with homework to do, I put the game down for a day. I started playing the game again last night, getting to the lens of truth and working my way towards completing the Snowhead Temple. Now, some of you more hardcore Majora's Mask players know about the fourth day glitch. For those who don't, you can Google it. But the gist of it is that right as the clock is about to hit 000 on the final day, you talk to the astronomer and look through the telescope. If you time it right, the countdown disappears and you essentially have another day to finish whatever you were doing. Deciding to do the glitch and try to finish the Snowhead Temple, I happened to get it right on the first try, and the time counter at the bottom disappeared. However, when I pressed B to exit the telescope, instead of being greeted by the astronomer, I found myself in the Majora boss fight at the end of the game in the trippy boxed arena, staring at the skull kid hovering above me. There was no sound just him floating in the air above me, and the background music which was regular for the area, but still creepy. Immediately, my palms began to sweat. This was definitely not normal. Skull Kid never appeared here. I tried moving around the area, and no matter where I went, Skull Kid would always be facing me, looking at me, not saying anything. Nothing would happen though, and this kept up for around 60 seconds. I thought the game had bugged out or something, but I was beginning to doubt that very much. I was about to reach for the reset button when text appeared on my screen. You're not sure why, but you apparently had a reservation. I instantly recognized that text. You get that message when you get the room key from Anju at the Stockpot Inn, but why was it playing here? I refused to entertain the notion that it was almost as if the game was trying to communicate with me. I started to navigate the room, testing to see if there was some sort of trigger that enabled me to interact with something here. Then I realized how stupid I was. To even think that someone could reprogram the game like this was absurd. Sure enough, 15 seconds later, another message appeared on the screen. And again, like the first one, it was already a pre-existing phrase. Go to the lair of the temple boss. Yes, 
or no? I paused for a second, contemplating what I should press and how the game would react. When I realized I couldn't select no, taking a deep breath, I pressed yes. The screen faded to white and the words dawn of a new day appeared with a subtext of eight parallel lines beneath it. Where I was ported to filled me with the most intense sense of dread and impending fear I'd ever experienced. The only way I can describe the way I felt here is having this feeling of inexplicable depression on a profound scale. I'm not normally a depressed person, but the way I felt here was a feeling that I didn't even know existed. It was such a twisted, powerful presence that seemed to wash over me. I appeared in some kind of weird Twilight Zone version of the clock town. I walked out of the clock tower as you normally do when you start from day one, only to find that all of the inhabitants were gone. Usually the fourth day glitch, you can still find guards and the dog that runs around the tower outside. This time, they were all gone. What replaced them was the ominous feeling that there was something out there, in the same area as me, and that it was watching me. I had four hearts to my name and the hero's bow, but at this point, I wasn't even considered for my avatar. I felt that I personally was in some kind of danger, Perhaps the most chilling thing was the music. It was the song of healing, ripped straight from the game itself, but played in reverse. The music would get louder, building up so as if you should expect something to pop out at you, but nothing ever did. And the constant loop began to wear on my mental state. Every now and then, I would hear the faint laugh of the happy mask salesman in the background. Just quiet enough so that I wasn't sure if I was hearing things, but just loud enough to keep me determined to find him. I looked in all four zones of Clocktown, only to find nothing. No one. Textures were missing. West Clocktown had me walking on air. The entire area felt broken. Hopelessly broken. As the reverse song of healing repeated for what must have been the 50th time, I just remember standing in the middle of South Clocktown, realizing that I had never felt so alone in a video game before. As I walked through the ghost town, I don't know whether it was the combination of the out-of-place textures and the atmosphere and the haunting melody of the once peaceful and soothing song being butchered and distorted, but I was literally on the verge of tears, and I had no idea why. I hardly ever cry. Something had gripped me here, and this powerful sense of depression that was both foreign and crippling. I tried leaving Clocktown, but every time I attempted to zone out, the screen would fade to black and I would just zone into another part of the clock town. I tried playing my ocarina. I wanted to escape and I did not want to be here. But every time I played the song of time or song of soaring, it would only say, your notes echo far, but nothing happens. By this point, it was obvious the game didn't want me to leave, but I had no idea why it was keeping me here. I didn't want to go inside the buildings. I felt that I would be too vulnerable in there to whatever I was terrified of. I don't know why, but I came up with the idea that maybe if I drowned myself at the laundry pool, I could spawn somewhere else and leave this place. As I zoned in and ran towards the pool, that's when it happened. Link grabbed his head and the screen flashed for a brief moment of the happy mask salesman smiling at me. Not Link, me, with Skull Kid's screams playing in the background. And when the screen returned, I was staring at the Link statue from playing the song LG of Emptiness. I screamed as the thing just stared back at me with those haunting facial expressions. I turned around and ran out the back into the South Clock Town. And to my horror, the fucking statue followed me. 
The only thing I can compare this to is the weeping angels from Doctor Who. Every so often, at random intervals, the animation would play of the statue appearing behind me. It was like the thing was chasing me, or I don't even want to fucking say it, haunting me. By this point, I was on the verge of hysterics, but not even once did the thought of turning off the console occur to me. I don't know why. I was so wrapped up in it. The terror felt all so real. I tried to shake the statue, but it would only literally appear right behind me every single time. Link started to make weird animations that I had never seen him do before. He would flail his arms around or spasm randomly, and the screen would cut to the happy mask salesman, smiling again for a brief moment, before I was face to face with that fucking statue again. I ended up running into the Swordmaster's dojo, and ran to the back. I don't know why, but in my panic, I just wanted some kind of assurance that I'm not alone here. To my dismay, I found no one. But as I turned to leave, the statue cornered me in a cubby in the back. I tried attacking the statue with my sword, but to no avail. Confused and backed into a corner, I just stared at the statue, waiting for it to kill me. Suddenly, the screen flashed again to the happy mask salesman, and Link turned to face my screen. Standing upright, mirroring the statue, looking at me along with this copy. Literally staring at me. Whatever was left of the fourth wall was completely shattered when I ran out of the dojo, terrified. Suddenly, the game warped me into an underground tunnel, and the reverse song of healing queued up again as I was given a brief moment of rest before the statue started appearing behind me again, this time aggressively. I could only take a few steps before it would summon behind me again. I hurriedly made my way out of the tunnel and appeared in Southern Clocktown. As I ran aimlessly, in a sheer panic, suddenly a redead screamed and the screen faded to black as dawn of a new day and eight parallel lines appeared again. The screen faded in and I was standing on top of Clock Tower with Skull Kid hovering over me again, silent. I looked up and the moon was back, looming just meters above my head, but Skull Kid just stared at me hauntingly with a fucking mask. A new song was playing. The Stone Tower Temple theme played in reverse. In some sort of desperate attempt, I equipped my bow and fired off a shot at Skull Kid, and it actually hit him, and he played an animation of him reeling back. I fired again, and on the third arrow, a text box appeared saying, That won't do any good. He he. And I was picked up off the ground, levitated, upwards on my back, and then Link screamed as he burst into flames, instantly killing him. I jumped when this happened. I had never seen this move used by anyone in the game, and Skull Kid himself didn't have any moves. As the death screen played, my lifeless body still burning. The Skull Kid laughed, and the screen faded to black, only to have me reappear in the same place. I decided to charge him, but the same thing happened. Link's body was lifted off the ground by some unknown force, and he was immediately burst into flames, again killing him. This time during the death scene, the faint sounds of the reverse song of healing could be heard. On my third and final try, I noticed that there was no music playing this time, that all there was was eerie silence. I remembered that in the original encounter with the Skull Kid, you were supposed to use the Arcana to either travel back in time or summon the giants. I attempted to play the Song of Time, but before I could hit that last note, Link's body once again horrifically exploded into flames, and he died. As the death screen neared its end, it began to chug, 
as if the cartridge was trying to process a lot of something. When the screen came to, it was the same scene as the first three times, except this time, Link was lying on the ground dead in a position I had never seen in the game before. His head was tilted towards the camera, with the skull kit floating above him. I couldn't move. I couldn't press any buttons. All I could do was just stare at Link's dead body. After around 30 seconds of this, the game simply fades out with the message, You've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? Before kicking you out to the title screen. Upon getting back to the title screen and starting again, I noticed my save file was no longer there. Instead of Link, it was replaced with Your Turn. Your Turn had three hearts, zero mask, and no items. I selected Your Turn, and immediately when I did, I was returned to the clock tower rooftop scene with my Link dead and Skull Kid hovering over, and his laughing looping over and over again. I quickly hit the reset button, and when the game booted up again, there was one more save file added. Below your turn, entitled Ben. Ben's save file is right back where it was before I deleted it, at the Stone Tower Temple with the moon almost crashing. I turned the game off at that point. I'm not superstitious, but this is way too fucked up even for me. I haven't played it at all today. Hell, I didn't even get any sleep last night. I kept hearing the reverse song of healing music in my head, just remembering the sense of dread I felt exploring Clocktown. I drove back to the old man's house today to ask him some questions with a buddy of mine. There was no way I was going there alone, only to find there's a for sale sign in the front yard, and when I rang the doorbell, no one was home. So now I'm back here writing down the rest of my thoughts and recording what happened. Sorry if some of this has grammatical errors and whatnot. I'm running on no sleep here. I'm terrified of this game, even more so now that I've relived it a second time writing all this down. But it feels like there's still more to it than meets the eye, and that there's something calling to me to investigate this further. I think Ben is something in this equation, but I don't know what, and if I could get a hold of the old man, then I would be able to find some answers. I need another day or so to recuperate before tackling this game again. It's already taken a toll on my sanity. But next time I do this, I'm going to be recording my footage all the way through. The idea to record only came to me towards the end, so you see the last few minutes of what I saw, including with the Skull Kid and the LG statue, but it's on YouTube. I'm going to stay in this thread for a little while longer before I fall asleep to answer any questions you guys might have, or hopefully listen to your ideas or theories to help me shed some light on what this may be or what I should try and do. I think I'm going to play Ben's file tomorrow to see what happens. Maybe I was supposed to do that all along. I don't believe in paranormal shit, but this is a little fucked up. But maybe this Ben guy is just a really good hacker or programmer. I don't want to think about the alternatives if he isn't. That's the end of this first post. I'm hoping that maybe this is some kind of running gag the developers had that other people have gotten gagged or hacked copies of this game like this. This just really scares me. Post number 2, September 8th, 2010. I'm going to post what happened and link the video footage, but last night everything got way too real for me. I think I'm done messing around with this. I passed out pretty much immediately after making that thread. But last night, the LG of Emptiness statue, I had a dream about it. I dreamed that it was following me in my dream, that I would be minding my own business when I'd feel my neck hair standing up on the end. I would turn around and that thing that horrible, lifeless statue would be staring at me with those empty eyes merely inches away. 
In my dream, I remember calling it Ben, and never before had I had a dream that I could remember so vividly. But the important thing is, I did get some sleep, I suppose. Today, putting off playing the game as long as I could, I drove back up to that neighborhood to see if the old man came back. As I expected, the car was still gone and no one was home. As I was walking back to my car, the man next door mowing the grass killed the power to his lawnmower and asked me if I was looking for someone. I told him I was looking to talk to the old man that lived here, to which he told me what I already knew. He was moving. Trying a different avenue, I asked if the old man had any family or relatives I could talk to. I discovered that this old man had never been married, nor did he have any children or grandchildren through adoption. Starting to become worried, I asked one final question, one that I should have asked from the beginning. Who was Ben? The man's expression turned grim, and I learned that four doors down, around eight years ago on April 23rd, the man informed me that it was the same day as anniversary, that's how we knew the specific date. There was an accident with a young boy named Ben in the neighborhood. Shortly after, his parents moved. And despite any further attempts to talk to the man to get more information, he wouldn't divulge anything else. I went back and started playing again. I loaded up the game and immediately I jumped at the title screen where the mask flies by. The sound that played was not the normal whoosh sound. It was something much more higher pitched. I pressed start, bracing for the worst. But just like two nights ago, the files Your Turn and Ben were displayed. Truth to be told, I looked at the Ben file earlier. It seemed to fluctuate between displaying the owl save and not. I brought up Ben's file, hesitated for a moment, noticing the stats were not the same as they originally were two days ago. It seemed like he had already completed the stone temple this time. Summoning my courage, I selected it. Immediately, I was thrust into complete chaos. Sure enough, I was outside Stone Tower Temple, but that's about all that was expected. The zone itself wasn't called Stone Tower Temple, but rather, Stone. And immediately, a dialogue box of complete gibberish that I couldn't make out greeted me. Link's body was distorted. His back was cocked violently to the side where his posture was permanently disfigured. Link's expression was dull, almost monotonous. He had an expression on his face that I didn't recognize before. It was a blank look, as if he was dead. As Link stood there, his body spasmed irregularly, back and forth. I examined what had become of my avatar, and noticed I had a C button item I had never seen before. It had some kind of note, but pressing it did nothing. Sounds played back and forth that I didn't recognize from the game almost demonic in nature, and there was some kind of high-pitched yip or some kind of laugh or something playing in the background. I had all of two minutes to take in the environment before another one of those fucking LG of emptiness statues was summoned, and immediately after, I was cut into the dawn of day screen, except this time, there were no black vertical lines for subtext. I was a Deku scrub in Clocktown. The scene would normally play after the first time you traveled back in time. Tattle would say, what just happened? It was as if everything has, but instead of saying started over, she finished her remark in broken text as the laugh of a happy mask salesman played in the background. I was put back in control of my character, but from a fucked up camera angle. I was looking from behind the door to the clock tower, watching my avatar run around as a Deku scrub. Seeing as how I had really no place to go because I couldn't see anything, I begrudgingly went inside the door. There, 
I was greeted by the happy mask salesman, who simply told me, you've met with a terrible fate, haven't you, before the screen whited out. I was in Termina Field as a human again. I might as well not have been playing the same game anymore. I was being warped around and there was no sign of any day clock or anything. I took a moment to get my bearings as I looked around the field, and immediately I could tell that this was not normal. There were no enemies, and a twisted version of Happy Mask Salesman's theme was playing. I decided to run towards Woodfall before I noticed a gathering of three figures off to the side, one of them being Epona. As I approached them, to my horror, I saw Happy Mask Salesman, the Skull Kid, and the LG of Emptiness statue just standing there. I figured maybe they were bugged out, but by now, I told myself I should know better. Nevertheless, I approached them carefully and found that the Skull Kid was playing some kind of idle animation on loop. Same with Epona, and the LG of Emptiness statue was doing what it had been doing all along, just standing there eerily. It was the Happy Mask salesman that scared me more profoundly than the other two. He too was idle, wearing that shit-eating grin, but wherever I moved, his head slowly turned and followed me. I had not engaged in any dialogue with him, nor was I in combat with him, yet his head still continued to follow my movements. Reminded of my first encounter with the Skull Kid on top of Clock Tower, I pulled out my ocarina, to which the game played the ding sound when you're supposed to play your ocarina, and tried a song I hadn't played yet. The Happy Mask Salesman's own song, and the song that had been playing on loop back in day four. The Song of Healing. I finished playing the song, and as I did, an ear-piercing shriek blasted my TV. The sky immediately started flashing, and the Happy Mask Salesman twisted theme song sped up, intensifying the fear inside me, and Link exploded into flames, then died. The three figures stayed lit up during my death screen as they watched my lifeless body burn. I can't describe to you how sudden and terrifying the transition from eerie to horror it is. You're going to have to watch this video if you want to see firsthand. The same fear that caused me to lose sleep two days ago started to grip me again as I was met with the text, you've met with a horrible fate, haven't you, for the third time. There has to be some kind of meaning behind that. I had little time to ponder as I was immediately given another small cutscene of transforming into a Zora and now I found myself in Great Temple Bay. Hesitant but curious to see what the game had in store for me, I slowly made my way towards the beach where I found Epona. I wondered why the game had decided to put her here. Was the game implying she was trying to get a drink? Unable to take the mask off, I decided that riding the steed wasn't the reason she was placed there. Suddenly I realized that Epona kept neighing and the way she was angled made it look like she was trying to signal a point to me off in the distance. It was a hunch but I dove into Great Bay and started swimming. Sure enough, I almost missed it. I found something at the bottom of the ocean, one last algae of emptiness statue. I went down to examine it, and suddenly my Zora started doing a choking animation I'd never seen a Zora do before, which didn't even make sense because Zoras can breathe underwater. Regardless, my character choked to death and died, and again, the statue was the only thing that was highlighted in my death. I didn't respawn this time, I was booted back to the main menu as if I restarted the console. The press start screen was before me. I knew the only reason why it would put me here is because the save files had changed again. Taking a deep breath, I pressed start, and I was right. The new save files told me about Ben, 
Now it made sense why the statue appeared when I tried to go to the laundry pool. The game must have anticipated how I would have tried to escape the day four clock town. The two save files told me his fate. As I suspected, Ben was dead. He had drowned. The game obviously isn't through with me. It taunts me with the new save files. It wants me to keep playing. It wants me to go further. But I'm done with this shit. I'm not touching any more of the files. This is already way too horrifying for me, and I don't even believe in the paranormal. But I'm running out of explanations. Why would someone send me this message? I don't understand. I just get too depressed thinking about this. The footage is up there for those who want to see it and try to analyze it. Maybe there's some kind of coded message in the gibberish or something symbolic in what I went through. I'm too emotionally and mentally drained to fuck with it anymore. Post number 3, September 10, 2010. I know it's early in the morning. I've stayed up all night. I can't sleep. I don't care if people see this. That's not the point. I just wanted the word to get spread so I don't suffer for nothing. I've lost the will to type about this. The less I dwell on this, the better. I think this video just speaks for itself. I did what you guys told me to do. I played the LG of Emptiness song at the first prompt by the game I was given. But I think that's what the game, or Ben, Jesus Christ, I can't believe I'm even humoring the absurd idea that he exists in the game. But that's what he wanted me to do. He's following me now. Not just in the game. He's in my dreams. I see him all the time. Behind my back. Just watching me. I haven't gone to any of my classes. I've stayed in the dorm room with the windows closed and the blinds shut. That way, I know he can't watch me. But he still gets me when I play. When I play, he can still see me. The game is scaring me now. It talked to me for the first time. Not just using the text that's already in the game. It spoke to me. Talked to me. It referenced Ben. It talked to me. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it wants. I never wanted this. I just want my old life back. Stuff like this doesn't happen to people like me. I'm just a kid. Not even old enough to drink yet. It's not fair. I want to go home. I want to see my parents again. I'm so far away from home here at the school. I just want to hug my mom again. I just want to forget the statue's horrible blank face. My original game falls back. Just the way I'd left it before it was gone. I don't want to play it anymore though. I feel like something bad will happen if I don't. But that's impossible. It's a video game. Haunted or not, it can't hurt me, right? Like seriously though, it can't, right? That's what I keep telling myself. But every time I think about it, I'm not so sure. Post number 4, September 12th, 2010. Let me just clear things up. I know you guys are worried about Jaduzable. He's okay. He finished moving out today and he said he's going back home. He's just taking the semester off. I'm really not sure what's happened. I have a vague idea, but you guys probably know more than I do. I'm Jaduzable's roommate, and obviously I know something was wrong with him for a few days now. He stayed in his room all the time, fell out of contact with literally all of his friends, and I'm pretty sure he hadn't been eating hardly anything. And after the second day, I couldn't stay in there anymore. So I've been crashing at a buddy's place, only coming into the room to get stuff I need. I tried talking to him several times, but he would cut me off or just keep the conversation brief when I asked him about his strange behavior. It's like he was convinced something was hunting him. Yesterday I came and grabbed my philosophy book, and he approached me, looking awful, like horrible bags under his eyes. He handed me a flash drive and gave me specific instructions. He told me that he needs me to go do one last favor for him. He finally explained to me what was going on. 
He gave me the account info to his YouTube account and told me that he's getting away from here. That it lured him to play it again instead of trying to change things and that he shouldn't have done that. And to upload the footage and inform people what happened. I told him that he could do it himself and he got this wild look in his eye and told me that he's never looking at that game again. And that's the last thing he said to me. He never even said bye when his parents came to pick him up. I never even got to meet his parents. I honestly can't tell you what happened. When he spoke, it was kind of hard to understand him, and his fucked up appearance really distracted me. On the flash drive, there was the footage of the game last night, a text document with his name, and a password for YouTube. Then there was a third document called thetruth.txt, containing what he told me were his notes that he'd taken. He told me that this meant everything to him, that I follow his instructions exactly. Normally I wouldn't be so to the letter for a request over a fucking video game, but the way he spoke, and the way he looked, made me know that this was really serious, and I'm gonna honor that. I've had this video since yesterday, but I've had to have someone help me use Pinnacle. That's not really my forte. After watching it, I had to go back and look through old videos on his YouTube account to realize what was going on, and even then I'm still really confused. The video I'm releasing tonight, thetruth.txt, will be released on September 15th just like you requested. I haven't dared peek at it yet, so the first time I see it will be the first time you see it out of respect to my friend. To answer your questions, no, I haven't tried calling him yet. I think I'll give him a call tomorrow to see if he's okay or not. He should have gone back home by now. About the video, in this video I cut straight to where he loaded the Ben file in the game. Looking back, I realized that Jaduzable left the save select screen in because it said different names sometimes, so my bad for that, but all it said this time was the same at the end of his last video, Link and Ben, nothing different. I was there when he played it, but it looks to me like in the beginning when he first spawns he's testing out his equipment or seeing what items he has or something, because apparently they've changed randomly before. Then after that, I just think the game got too personal for him. Post number 5, September 15th, 2010. Hey guys, Jaduzable here. This will be the last time you will be hearing from me, and this is my final gift to you. These are the notes that I have taken and the realizations I've made. Before I delve into this, I want to thank you for following me and thank you for listening. It feels like the weight of a powerful burden is about to be lifted. By the time you read this, I won't be around anymore. But after spending four days with this maddening game, I've begun to understand what's really at play here. And hopefully after reading this, we can ensure that this never happens again. There are things that I could not share with you while this was going on due to the circumstances to which I'll explain. With Ben blocking any attempt I made to try and relay the truth to you, I tried, ever so subtly, to warn you guys in various ways. Amidst the chaos and delirium, I devised to make a barely noticeable pattern in my videos. In all five videos I recorded over the four days, I have either had the mask of truth interacted with a gossip stone, or the lens of truth equipped at some point. For you Zelda enthusiasts, these are all symbols of honesty and trustworthiness, and I make hope that one of you may have picked up on the reference. As I played the file which I would name Ben, being mindful of how Ben was watching over my every move in the game, I made a point to avoid doing anything too obvious, but I sent out a hidden message to you guys. I never equipped the lens, nor the mask, nor visited a stone. It worked, and the video was uploaded. I prayed that someone would notice the pattern didn't apply to Ben. The tags followed suit too. I hope you guys paid attention to those as well. They were my little messages for you. Nothing big enough that would catch Ben's attention or make him suspect anything. 
With Ben manipulating and changing my files, I honestly hope that what you guys saw was close to what actually happened, but there's no way for me to know. This may be a long read. I don't have time to proofread or make all my research pretty, but here it all is. September 6, 2010. 11 p.m. I can't believe what happened. Not sure if this is some kind of elaborate hoax, despite the fear I can't help but be exceptionally curious about this. Who or what is the statue? A lot of questions here. I'm starting this document as a diary, so I can keep track of everything. I'm typing up a summary of what happened so I can come back to it later. September 7th, 2010, 4.23 a.m. I can't sleep. I've been trying so hard, but the harder I try, I just get more restless. I just feel like that statue is appearing whenever I close my eyes. 8.20 a.m. Didn't sleep at all. Just gonna start my day. I don't think I have the energy to go to class today. I'm going to drive back down and talk to that old man, taking my buddy Tyler with me just in case. 1.18 p.m. Back home now. No sign of the old man. Really weird that he appears to be moving the next day. But maybe the for sale sign was up there yesterday and I just didn't notice it. Tyler wants to know what's gotten me all worked up. I didn't tell him. Going to eat. Feel like death. 3.46 p.m. Could have sworn driving back from Subway that I saw the LG statue buried in some shrubbery staring at me go by. Now I definitely, definitely need sleep. 5 o'clock p.m. Don't think a lot of people would believe me if I told them about what's happening. Think I'm going to try posting this on the internet. Think I'll just use the summary. These notes are pretty sporadic. 6 p.m. Connected my capture card to my computer to upload the footage. Thought my computer froze for a second. Made this strange popping sound when I hooked everything up. But now it seems to be working fine again. My computer can't die on me now. 7 p.m. Footage is finished uploading. The quality's a lot better than I thought it would be. Gee, guess this really is a special cartridge. I've never had it come through this clear before. 8.45 p.m. I thought I saw an icon pop up on my desktop that looked like the statue's face for a split second. It gave me quite the scare. Getting really unnerved and delirious. I'm gonna crash after this. 9pm. Begin uploading my YouTube video on an alternate account. 9.03pm. I don't remember having uploaded a Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines video last year. This was probably the account that I shared with a friend of mine last summer. I hope he doesn't mind me using it to upload this. 9.55 p.m. Posting my summary of day four with a link to YouTube video. Going to try to stay awake, but I'm so tired right now. September 8th, 2010. 10.48 a.m. I had a dream about the statue. I dreamed that it was following me in my dream. That I would be minding my own business and I'd feel my neck hair stand up on end. I would turn around and that thing... That horrible, lifeless statue would be staring with those empty eyes right at me, merely inches away. In my dream, I remember calling it Ben. Power of suggestion, most likely. And never before had I had a dream that I could remember so vividly. 11.21 a.m. I really don't want to play this game again. I think I'm going to go back to see if the old man's there instead. 1.35 p.m. No old man, but I had an interesting conversation with his neighbor. I'll post the full thing with my summary of tonight's attempt at playing the game. Gonna wait for a bit and see if I can dig up any information on this Ben guy. 2.45pm I've been getting random, inexplicable headaches due to the lack of sleep and keep hearing this song in my head. 
Also, it's flu season, so I need to be careful not to get sick. My immune system is going to be shit right now because of that all-nighter. 3 p.m. A blank post. 3.02 p.m. My computer just, on its own, opened up a text document and wrote words high and www.cleverbot.com by itself. What the fuck? 3.46 p.m. I went to the website. It's one of those bot chatting programs. I think it's best if I just let the conversation speak for itself. Conversation from September 8th, 2010. User. Hello? Cleverbot. Hello? Who is this, and how are you able to control my computer? Who am I? Right. Forgot. You're a bot. Do you really think that? Listen, I know whoever's fucking with my computer can see my screen right now. Yes. Yeah, and I'll wager that you're one of those IT kids who thinks he's tough shit. You know what you're doing right now is illegal, right? It is? No shit. Are you familiar with HTE terms? Invasion of privacy? Get the fuck off my computer, kid. I am your computer. Cool story. Anyways, I'm calling DPS. You picked a bad time to fuck with me, kid. Should I wait until you play the game, then? What? That game. Majora's Mask? Yes. How did you know about that? Because... Because what? I did it. Did what? I played with you. What the fuck? Were you scared? Who the fuck is this? Ben. The statue? You're inside my computer now? Yes. How? You connected me. How the hell did I connect you? Cables and cords. How? Tell me about yourself. What? Tell me about yourself. What do you mean? What is it that really scares you? What the fuck? Answer. No. Answer. What the fuck? How did you just open that by yourself? I am your computer now. How much can you control? All. What do you want from me? To entertain. You're stuck inside there. You can't hurt me. Ha. Go play. No, you can't hurt me. Took you longer to type that. So? You're not sure. If you're so powerful, why use a ridiculous website like this to chat with me? Less messy. More structured. Fun. Fun? Yes. Tradition. I like it. You think it's funny? Amusing. And my notes? You may write them down. Why are you letting me? It is amusing to see what you think of me. 3.50pm. What have I done? I've invited it into my computer. I continue to write these notes, write summaries. I feel like a prisoner in my one place of security. I don't know if I'm hallucinating or not. I feel like I'm fucking insane right now. I can feel it watching over me, even as I type this. Ben is controlling everything in the game, toying with me, leading me like a sheep. But for what? What's the purpose? I know Ben drowned, but why these hauntings? What the fuck am I even doing? It can probably see this right now. 4.35 p.m. Summary of Ben.WMV playthrough. 7.18 p.m. Ben called me to Cleverbot again. He tells me that he's sorry and wants to be free, and that I can free him. That's just like how he got into my computer from the capture card. He can spread, but he needs my help. He says I'm special because I can help him. That is the first nice thing he's said to me. He promises to leave me alone if I do it. He swears he will. I don't know what to think right now. How can I even trust this thing? 7.20 p.m. I'm terrified of it, but now it's saying that it was just having fun. It's twisted and fucked up version of fun. 
He's saying that the game is over. I do want it to be over. He says that he just wants to be free, that he's trapped in the cartridge and my computer, and he wants to be freed. I don't want to have to deal with this shit. I don't know how long I can deal with the watching. It's watching my every move, every keystroke. I have nothing private anymore. It knows everything that's been on my computer. It tells that if it wanted to, it could do horrible things to me, but it hasn't, so I should trust it. 8.01 p.m. Something tells me that I'm being played again, just like in the game. 9.29 p.m. Ben called me to Cleverbot again. I ignored it and went to take a shower. When I came to my laptop, I was welcomed with the image of LG's statue staring at me with those dead eyes. I don't want to talk to him. 9.44. Fuck you, Ben, I'm not talking to you. 9.56. Fuck you, Ben, I'm not talking. 10.06. Fuck you, Ben, I'm not talking to you. 10.12 p.m. Fuck you, Ben, I'm still not talking to you. 10.45 p.m. It's been more than half an hour and the messages have stopped. Ben has stopped. I'm beginning to think that Ben isn't confined to just my computer and the cartridge. I'm beginning to feel something. It's hard to explain. I've never been spiritual, but there's something different about the air in my room now. 11.42 p.m. I'm beginning to see the LG statue randomly as I search the internet in places I shouldn't. Places where he shouldn't be. I'd be scrolling down and suddenly I'd be staring at a picture of the LG statue. Always the LG statue. I don't know how much more of this I can take. September 9th, 2010. My worst fears confirmed. Ben has tampered with my summary of Ben.wmv. I looked at the summary that I posted on various forums for the Ben.wmv file, and parts have been omitted. There's no mention of Ben existing outside the game. There's no mention of the Moon Children. How could he have been that quick to delete the post without me noticing? I'm wondering if maybe it appeared to me that I was posting everything, but in reality, Ben was posting his own censored version. I'm going to ask Ben why he did it. 12.50 AM. He isn't responding to me on Cleverbot. It's just giving me the generic responses it normally gives. I'm just talking to the bot this time. 1.24 AM. I think Ben is mad at me. 10.43 AM. The moon children appeared in my dreams last night. They lifted up their mask to reveal their hideously disfigured faces. Maggots crawling out of their orifices, sunken black holes where their eyes should be. A yellow smile that slowly grew bigger and bigger as they came closer to me. They told me that they wanted to play. I tried to run from them, but the four children pinned me down to the ground with surprising strength. Over them stood the happy mask salesman, announcing that he had a new mask that he wanted me to try. In his spastic, sudden movements, matching his in-game appearance, he took out a mask modeled off someone's face that I couldn't recognize, a younger-looking face, and handed it to the moon children. Giggling, they latched it to my face, their horrible, broken bodies bouncing up and down. Two of them held me down while the other two began to sew the mask onto my face. My shrieks and screams caused the happy mask salesman's face to turn into the most horrific smile I'd ever seen. He sporadically moved around, examining the procedure like a curious doctor. I flailed around, but it was no use. My eyes rolled in the back of my head because of the pain. It felt so real, but I couldn't wake up. I couldn't wake up no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't wake up. After the mask was melded onto my flesh, they began sewing my legs together. Then my arms. The horrific feeling of a needle puncturing your legs and pulling them in rupturing your Achilles tendons and tying them together resonated throughout my entire body. 
I tried to scream, but the mask was pressed so tightly against my face that it was my new face, and my new face had no mouth. I didn't make a sound. I tried telling myself in my head that I was dreaming, tried telling myself again and again, and suddenly the moon children stopped and looked at me. They just stared, and the happy mask salesman slowly bent down and stared at me, inches away from my face, and grinned and simply said, You've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? I couldn't wake up. I couldn't wake up. It wouldn't let me wake up until they had crafted me into another LG statue. I woke up sweating, crying, and shaking uncontrollably. I immediately ran to my computer and went for Ben. September 9th, 2010. Conversation 1. User. Answer me, Ben. Cleverbot. Welcome Welcome back. What's the point of doing this, and why? Amusing to see. How? Fun to play. Fun to toy with you. Make you feel safe. I wonder how you would have reacted. To what? If I hadn't revealed myself and stayed hidden. Only doing little things play with you. Close out your windows. Turn off your computer. Move your mouse by itself. Little things. Make you wonder if I am there, but you never know. Give you little hints that I am. I wanted to do something different with you. You did this before? Yes, and I will do it again. To who? Ben? Hmm. Did you know Ben? Won't tell that information to you. How did Ben die? You know. No, but did he drown? Won't tell you that. Why? It is reserved for another. Who? Another who asks. When? Later. I'm beginning to think this thing, maybe it isn't Ben at all. In its sadistic nature, I wouldn't be surprised if it took the boy's name after it killed him. 12.04 p.m. My room's beginning to feel different again. There's something out there. I feel really threatened. Like there's something that's trying to reach out to me and strangle me, but it can't quite get there. 12.46 p.m. I think Ben doesn't want to play with me anymore. I'll play again. I'll play the game again. Ben, can you see this? I'll play the game again. Please, just stop this. Please, please. 1.41 p.m. I'm going insane trying to decide what is real and what isn't. Is Ben just playing a trick on me, or is this for real? Is Ben generating these replies, or are people actually posting them? Did I just see the screen flicker, or was it my imagination? Imagine depending on the internet and trusting your eyes for your entire life, and then being blinded. You can't rely on it anymore. You second-guess everything. For the brief moments, I am looking at my responses to the videos. People were pointing out things that looked fake or photoshopped or whatever. And there's literally no way for me to know if Ben changed something on purpose to try to shut me up. Or if maybe those replies were just constructed by Ben to try to discourage me from reaching out. See, I get fucking caught in an infinite mindfuck loop like this, and this is what's been wearing on my sanity and pushing me to the edge. As I'm writing this, there's no way of even telling if anyone cares as much as I think they do. Just another fucking trick. Does the whole document even exist? Am I writing nothing? September 10th, 2010. Conversation 2. User. What is it? What's the point of playing? I die whenever I do anything. You die because you can't figure out the secret. What? Thematic. What the fuck are you talking about? Their beauty in your suffering. 4.09 p.m. Ben is making me play the game again. It tells me that it has something very important to show me. September 10th, 2010. 
11.52 a.m. The drown.wmv playthrough was up when I awoke today. I remember typing it up, but I don't ever remember posting it. He censored it again. There's no mentioning of the old man. I have no voice anymore. I'm only posting what he wants me to. I'm the mask he uses to disguise his lies. 11.55 a.m. There's an entire video summary of a video that I don't remember doing. Reading through the summary, this sounds morbid, resembling my dream from two nights ago, except on a far more sadistic scale. These moon children, there's something more to them, almost as if they're another entity from Ben. Something happened last night that I can't remember. I'm posting the fourth summary on the forums now. Shadow of my chair moved. 12 p.m. Ben won't let me visit YouTube. I can browse the rest of the sites, but he keeps on exiting the window when I go to YouTube. Why? 2.02 p.m. I'm feeling the air start to constrict. I don't think I'm alone here. Whatever aura has been here is getting more violent. 2.44 p.m. I'm trying to contact Ben on Cleverbot. He's not responding. I just get the AI. 3.51 p.m. My ears aren't fooling me. I'm hearing the reverse song of healing. I keep hearing it. 4.23 p.m. Now I'm positive of it. Earlier I thought it was a weird coincidence, but just now I went to open my window, and three floors down at ground level, I saw the old man. I'm completely positive I did. The same guy. He was just staring up at my window, standing in the middle of campus. If any students took notice of him, they didn't seem to acknowledge it. That's where my notes end. I fled from my room, taking the cartridge with me. I don't want to go into detail of what happened. I'll lose my train of thought as I hammer out these last details. It's been roughly two days since then. This is my last summary and service to you of the final video you guys saw, Matt.wmv. The last video entry I made, Matt.wmv, began as normal. I was spawned in Clocktown as usual, and nothing seemed to be out of place. Determined to set things right and play the Oath of Order on top of the clock tower on the fourth day, I prepared myself. I sped up time and got to the final day, making my way to the observatory. As I got up to the telescope room and approached the astronomer, he would not let me look into his telescope. He told me that it would be cheating and that I should follow the rules. Despite my repeated efforts, the game would not let me do the fourth day glitch, no matter how hard or what I tried. I tried working around the game and doing the glitch, but it was adamant this time. Regardless of if I simply had the illusion of free will in prior games, this time the game became more aggressive than anything I've ever seen. It eventually told me to go to Ikana Canyon, where the game would end and it would stop haunting me. Anxious and desperate to end this nightmare, I played the Song of Soaring and ended up there. I was told to check my inventory, that I would find the answers there to end the game. I arrived at Ikana Canyon and saved my progress at the Owl Statue. As I searched through my inventory, I finally noticed that I was missing a reoccurring song, The Elegy of Emptiness. Obviously, once I traveled there and learned the song, I suppose that was the last thing it needed before Ben decided it had enough fun playing with me. Ben is a manipulator. He tries to fool his victims into security and makes you drop your guard like a Venus flytrap. He ensnares them. I am nothing but a puppet to him. He enjoys seeing what kind of human emotions he can tap into by doing different things. There are still some things about the whole experience that still don't make sense. But then again, I was never good at figuring out these sort of things, and I'm not exactly in the right state of mind to. I'm giving you all the pieces of the puzzle for you to analyze and piece together the missing links. 
I'm typing these closing thoughts on the library computer on campus, and I've emailed myself the notes I've stored on my infected computer from the last four days. I'm then going to combine those notes I have with the notes I've typed on this public and safe computer into one text document. I'm not taking any chances of spreading Ben. I would not wish this horrible torment on anyone, and I've made sure to have my bases covered here. I didn't run into any problems with Ben when I was back on my computer trying to email myself the notes. Went right under his fucking nose. He has no idea what he's just let me do. Had no problems opening the text document from my infected computer in my mail. I can't describe to you how it feels to finally be able to get the word out on this post. The nightmare ends here. That said, do not download any of my videos or anything about my videos through a YouTube video audio ripper such as Screen Grab or whatever. I don't know how he can spread, but I know that just watching them on YouTube slash reading my text won't be able to allow him to spread. Otherwise, he wouldn't have needed my help in the first place. But I strongly recommend that you do not take anything you see streaming online onto your personal computer. This will be my last posting. I'm putting up on this forum here for the world. If you see any further posts from me after today's current date, September 12th, and after the current time, 12.08 a.m., discredit them. It already has proven to me that Ben can access my account slash passwords and manipulate my computer. And like I said, I have no idea to what extent it can do this, but I know that it will do anything to break free. He is desperate. To ensure your safety, just forget about me, please. And obviously this goes without saying, but from here on out, do not download any images I may have put up, any files, anything. This fifth day will be my last. I'm going to burn the cartridge and then come back to destroy my laptop. Again, even though I don't even know you, this is sort of bittersweet for me. This semester I really didn't have any friends, or rather, I stopped paying attention to them. But I suppose that's partially to blame because I'm the genius who picked to live in a single. I suppose someone to get a hold of me and save me before I get too immersed in this game would have literally saved my life. However, it proved too much for me. I'm just glad it happened to me and I could get the warning out so Ben dies here. Lastly, thank you for taking the time to open this and open yourselves up to me by hearing my story. Despite maybe not believing me, you didn't have to do that. Really, you shouldn't have. Your support this entire time has kept me going, and now I'm finally free of this. Thanks again, Jaduzable. You shouldn't have done that, Matt. You shouldn't have done that. So that was Ben Drowned, and I'm not sure where to start on this one. I really like the idea of the haunted game cartridge. I think I've made it clear that I love old video games. I love anything to do with uh, video games and creepypastas mixed in. Always a good time, but I think I might have to make an exception for this. I don't see why people love this one so much. I mean, the story was pretty cool, but... It was too long, and it didn't have anything cool happen to me at all. I mean, I personally wasn't a crazy Zelda fan. I played the first one on N64 and the one on Super Nintendo. Or no, just regular Nintendo. That one was awesome. But I only played a little bit of Majora's Mask. I wasn't super into that one. I guess if you're a big fan of Zelda, this probably has a different take to you. Like, if they wrote a a creepypasta completely based off, like, Goosebumps books or old Power Rangers video games, I'd probably fucking go crazy for it. But this 
wasn't all well a very good story, and it was written extremely poorly. I mean, there were so many grammar mistakes. I mean, they in the creepypasta itself, the writer was smart enough to say, oh, I was rushed in this, so don't mind my writing mistakes, which was a pretty clever thing to do if you know your writing skills aren't up to par, and if you know there's going to be a bunch of grammatical errors, a bunch of run-on sentences. Um, there were a lot of times where there should have been a comma or could have been a comma. I was praying for some commas sometimes, and then there were a lot of parts where there was no need for a comma. So, I don't know. The writing wasn't very good. The story um, wasn't very good either to me, but I do love the idea, so that's got to count for something, right? Also, I just want to apologize for just completely butchering all those Zelda names. I mean, I'm terrible with names, and when it comes to Zelda ones, I probably fucked up every single one of those. So, sorry to all you big Zelda fans. Um, I don't know how to pronounce those names. Hopefully, I got at least one of them right. I did, however, like when he was being haunted on his computer, and he was finding this virus in a bunch of places where it should never be. I'm assuming he was looking at porn, and it kind of made me chuckle in my head, so... And I did like the use of Cleverbot because I remember being like 12 years old and talking to Cleverbot with my friends. And I'm pretty sure everyone had the same conversations. They're just like, fuck you, Cleverbot. And he's like, oh, there's, you don't need to use that language. It's pretty much like Siri nowadays. If you talk on your phone, you're like, fuck off, Siri, you suck. She'll be like, oh, that was uncalled for. It was just like that, but of the early 2000s. So, I don't know, I like that. I like that part of it. So, based solely on the good idea and nostalgia, I'm going to give this story a 5.5 out of 10 because it was way too long and having barely anything happen all story. Uh, It wasn't very scary to me. Um, A couple parts were kind of freaky. I mean, when he's first, like, getting in contact with Ben on the computer and stuff like that, and the... One part where he gets his arms sewed to him and his legs sewed together and the mask imprinted on his face, that was the best part to me. So I liked that. So 5.5 out of 10. Uh, definitely not my favorite story. Way too long without enough cool stuff happening like having the mask fucking pressed on his face. That part was good. The rest, a little bit dull for myself. But holy fuck, we're already over an hour into this show. This will definitely be the longest Pass the Time podcast ever. Uh, Well, not ever, up to this point. And we still have one thing to do. It's time for a rate and review. So on this installment of Rate and Review, I have a graphic novel that I just read. It's by Caitlin Kittenridge, and the artwork was by Inaki Miranda. Pretty sure I said that right. But it's called Coffin Hill, and pretty... I don't know, it's a decent read, decent read for a horror genre. It was pretty good. It seemed a little bit more aimed towards teenagers, but there was still nudity in it, so I don't know. I don't know who it was really geared towards. I felt like it was more geared towards teenagers, but I'll tell you a little bit about it. So you're following this cop named Eve Coffin, who ends up back in her hometown where years before she got one of her friends killed and the other institutionalized, and she's back in town because she has gotten shot and... So that's uh, that's pretty cool, getting shot. <laughs> I guess if you got shot, you probably wouldn't say that. But she's back there, and her town is kind of a shithole of darkness. And now teenagers are going missing in the woods where she used to hang out and where one of her friends went missing because of her. And only she can figure out what's going on. Oh, and did I mention uh, she's a witch? Yeah. 
Her whole family is witches, which seems kind of gay. I'm not a big fan of witches all, most of the time, unless it's like American Horror Story. But this one's pretty cool. Like, she doesn't have, like, electricity coming out of her fingers. She doesn't ride a broom or anything like that. She just kind of practices, like, black magic, which that's kind of cool. But the good things about this book is that there's lots of blood in the artwork. The artwork's amazing. Uh, there's some creepy spirits. There's a pretty good uh, – there's a couple pretty good drawings of uh, whatever the hell she's fighting or not fighting – uh, what the evil entity kind of creeped me the fuck out and there's nudity some occult stuff and then my favorite thing was that it was only $12 Canadian and only $10 US and it's a full graphic novel like so normally those are like 17 18 bucks usually even 21 it was a decently thick graphic novel and only 12 bucks like you can't go wrong with that and some of the cons were that uh, scene transitions were a little bit confusing. They would go back in time for pretty much no reason at all. Like, at the beginning, it kind of explains stuff. But then they throw, like, a backtrack scene that makes no sense just in the middle of it. And the story is kind of bland, and it has a lot of cliches. So if you don't mind some cliches, then it's a decent story for you. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Um, I enjoyed reading it. it took Take, took me about an hour and a half, but I really s- sat there and stared at a lot of the pictures because their artwork is amazing. So that was my favorite part about it. I'll probably end up buying the second one because if they're reasonably priced like this, like 12 bucks for a graphic novel, definitely buy it. So I am recommending it to you. So make sure you check out Coffin Hill. But that does it for our show today. Uh, longest past the time podcast up to this point. Woohoo. Crazy stuff. Make sure you like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash past the time podcast. Follow us on Twitter at past the podcast. Check out our YouTube channel, past the time podcast. Pretty similar names here. Pretty easy to get. Just pretty much Google Pass the Time Podcast and you'll find everything you need. Also, make sure you give us a good review on iTunes. Maybe go write something nice about us because I know you love me and I love you. So let's keep this relationship going, you know? I like you. You like me. Let's just keep this thing rolling. I mean, you give me some nice ratings, like me on Facebook, and I'll batter your ears with horrifying tales from beyond the grave. But that's it. I'm out of here. Have a good night, everybody.